Welcome to episode 832 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 832 of I Am Talk of Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Ars. How you going, mate? I'm oh, pretty good, Bevan. I'm yourself. I'm, uh, I'm actually really good as well, John. That's good. Yeah. We're off to a positive start today. Yeah, we're, on, we're on top of the world. The weather's going to turn to crap, but it's nice this morning. Oh, it's always a good day when I can ride up to your place in the middle of winter wearing bike shorts and probably should have gone for a, uh, a thin bike jersey. But hey. Probably. Probably. Got a little toasty on the way up, but that's not me complaining. No, you're not It's just an observation. I'm talking proudly brought to you by... Uh, we've got our fantastic patrons. You go first, Jumbo. Scott, the sleek, chic Sheridan. We've got Jonathan, the lumberjack woodman. And Mark, unpredictable Wiltshire. You're unpredictable. Oh, that's your unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, even I know that with my poor music knowledge. I never listened. It's a funny story. So when I was a kid, my sister always said, Tension with my sister and my mother. It's, it's, mm-hmm. And I'd never really listened to the words of that song. Mm-hmm. And then my sister, one, she said, This is about mum. And she said the words, and it's, You bug me with your questions. And, it's got, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay, there you go. Um, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We're going to, I like the question for next week uh, Age group of the week. Uh, we're going to interview. We have. We're going to talk to, I've spoken to Mickey Tagold. Uh, he is part of the Danish. Armada that is just crushing it yeah. at, uh, at Triathlon and currently at the Tour de France as well. Oh, cool. What's happening on the tour? Oh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Are you loving it? It's great. Is it a good rate? Like, I was thinking, like, I was at the gym doing some yeah, I think you're probably the only person that doesn't watch it. That our listeners, I reckon. No, but I was on the treadmill this morning doing a, a, an interval session. They had kind of, they had highlights from lots of days in a row. What's the best ever Tour de France that you've watched? You know, because, you know, like this year in State of Origin, the State of Origin last Wednesday night was the best ever State of Origins, one of the best. What, uh, do, you, what do you reckon was the best ever State of um, Tour of the France? Well, this is a good one, but probably I would say not that I watched it in its entirety at all, but when you had Greg LeMond winning on the final stage on a time trial uh, when he wasn't expected to do it with error bars and, and made up an unbelievable gap in, I, th- I think from memory, it was like a a 20 or 30k, so maybe 20 miles sort of time oh, trial. Really? And he made up some crazy amount of time and won it. Uh, so I'd say that was probably right up there. Yeah. So we had a few good ones. This, this current one is uh, is a good one. Is it wrapped up or is it still close? Uh, pff, all it takes is one bad day. Yeah. All it takes is one bad day, but it should be wrapped up. Uh, we've got a wing of the week and we've got questions and answers at the end. News, there's hardly any racing going on, but we have got the PTO Canada coming up. Is it this weekend or following weekend? This weekend, the Canadian Open. And is this going to be a game changer is the big question. Disappointingly, or well, let's talk about the races first. So we've got the women's race happening on seven on Saturday, 10.45 a.m. in Edmonton time. In New Zealand, it's 4.45 a.m. In Eastern time, it's 12.45. In London, 5.45 p.m. So it's actually pretty good time across the board, really, isn't it? Except for probably the Aussies. Uh, oh, yeah, true. But other than that. Uh, the men's race is on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. It's 6 a.m., 6.30 in New Zealand, 2.30 Eastern time, and 7 p.m. in London. So it's better for the Australians. Uh, age group starts at 6 a.m. It's an early start. And the reason for this uh, is I'm pretty sure 
is because the pros, I believe, are doing a different course to the age groupers. So the age group, main age group race is on Sunday morning. And yeah, from I couldn't really find the pro maps, but I saw a comment somewhere in an interview the other day that the pros are doing a different course. But for in terms of the age groupers, well, everyone's doing 100 kilometres, 2K swim, 80K bike, 18K run. So it's less than a half Ironman. So it's probably going to be in the region of about a three-hour race. The swim looks like it's going to be a three-lap swim with an exit. Wait, uh, is this for age groupers or pros? Well, I couldn't really tell. Okay. But I'm assuming that the, if they're doing a two or three-lap swim for the age groupers, they're going to do the same. Yeah. They want to have interaction. The swim is really boring to watch. You know, I like watching the dynamics of the swim, but when you have these multi-lap ones, uh, you get to see where everybody's standing coming out of the swim each lap. So that should be awesome, a multi-lap swim. Age group is doing four laps on the bike, and I'm pretty sure the pros are doing something different, but they are going to be doing a multi-lap bike, and so that's going to keep it really interesting for the people um, that are there watching it. And yep. equally on the run, age group is doing four laps, and I believe the pros might be doing something a bit different. But again, it sounds like it'll be a lapped course, um, which I think will have some real advantages. You want those moments where, like in Challenge Rope, where you've got the big crowds on the climbs, or you've got the Tour de France. You know, when you're running along and riding along, and there's no spectators on the side of the road, it just seems a, a bit less interesting to me, uh, and for the athletes as well. So. Um, in terms of the athletes that are racing, it is a really good field. Um, Female field's a bit disappointing. Not, not for no, just bad luck, really. But yeah, we it, we haven't got the total rock star package, have it, we? It's just the the timing of the middle of the season. You know, lots of other athletes have raced, and and I think the the Ironman World Champs this year, having it in May, have really thrown a spanner in the works for this. But it's still a highly quality field. You know, you are missing the top. Um, you know, four of the top five, um, but outside of that, you know, this is a is just about as good as a, as a world championship field. Just missing a couple, so you are missing um, Danielle Reef because she raced Switzerland uh, the weekend before last. Cat uh, Matthews, she smoked herself a bit having done the world championships and then doing the sub eight. Um, she does some great posts. If you don't follow her, um, she does some real honest posts on Insta. Uh, I don't really do Instagram much, but Facebook. on Facebook, okay. uh, and just in terms of how when she's having a really, some surreal struggles, she puts it out there yep. and says, you know, this how tough it was for her going into the the sub eight. She wasn't feeling great, and she's she's feeling been feeling a bit rubbish since. Um, so she's not racing, and Hauger's not racing because she did challenge wrote uh, two weekends ago, and we know Lucy Charles is is out injured. So real shame that those big hitters aren't there, but. Of, of the ones that you do have there you've got the, the absolute best of the rest Laura Phillip I'd put in the same group as those um, females she is amazing but then you've got all the, the real good 70.3 specialists Guy Monch Emma Pallant-Brown Jenny Metzler Paula Finlay Fenella Langridge who had a great race and wrote Jackie Herring Holly Lawrence Nicholas Spurring Ashley Gentle so this is yeah it should be a fantastic race um, because you haven't necessarily got that Daniela Reef who might just ride off the front and make it a bit boring. Yeah. Um, don't know what Laura Phillip will do, um, but it should be a fantastic race. So in the men's field, we are missing Fredino, Sam Long, Curry, um, Beckendegaard, and Rudy von, Ver- von Berg. Um, <clears throat> you'd probably say of those, Fredino's obviously the, the, the rock star, and then you've got the other guys, contenders, but in the men's field, you have got... It's a pretty amazing field. Yeah, Beckengard would be the main one. Rudy von Berg um, did a race a couple of weeks ago and got uh, 
he's just I think he flew over. He was down to race, but he's uh, either got sick or injured. Braden Curry we're down in New Zealand. It's, he's he's all eyes on Kona, and Sam Long is doing. Um, I believe he's doing the Alpe d'Huez Triathlon, which is coming coming up as well. And Fredino's injured, so yeah. There's, again, there's a few missing, but it's still a wicked it's field. Blumenfeld, Eden, Sanders, Hanson, Skipper. You know, it, it's a. The rock stars are there. Yeah, and we really have not seen Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav yeah. Eden go head to head because seventy point three worlds last year, Christian Blumenfeld got a, a had an issue, and then Gustav Eden um, this year didn't race the world championships, and we haven't seen Christian Blumenfeld do the the other white races where Who Gustav are you Eden between like you're going to say it's a two horse race, really, aren't you? So yeah, of those two. I am thinking at this one, possibly Christian Blumenfeld, but come kind of time, I'm picking uh, Gustav Eden really? to, to go in front of him. Uh, just because he just seems like he's a little bit more of a steady Eddie than Christian Blumenfeld. He always looks like he's on the edge. Yeah. And I just wonder, in Kona and the heat, he's not as strong, quite, potentially What's not quite George as strong hot? on the bike. So Was it George hot? Uh, it, was, it was warm, yeah. Was it Kona hot? No, it definitely wasn't Kona conditions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it, you'd you'd be a brave person to not bet on those two going one two and Sanders to go three. So uh, having said that, there are some fantastic other athletes, and I reckon some of the young guns um, might come through and surprise a few people. So the likes of Kyle Smith and who you're going to hear from later today, Mickey Tagholt and Sam Laidlaw. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they can get a group off the front and stay off the front um, like they did at uh, Ironman World Championships uh, and just make it a real race so that if they come off the bike with you know a few minutes on Christian and Gustav, uh, we could have a real race on our hands. So I'm really looking forward to it. Now you can watch the race. It's going to be on the PTO platform via Eurosport. Uh, it's going to be on Eurosport or via the PTO platform. Okay, so you can just go to the website or be mm. on YouTube. I, I had imagine. to, the other day I had to re-register or put some password yeah, they've in. they changed your things, they've changed, mm. yeah, something there. Uh, prize money, so it's interesting, when we look at the prize money comparison to what's happening in Ironman, more Kona than every other race, it says more than that they have in Kona, and it's better distributed. So the first place winner is going to get 100k, 70, 50, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 18, 16, that's your top 10. Then 11 through to 20 is 14, 13, 12, 10. Sorry, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. And then anyone between 21 and 40 will receive $2,000. So the difference here between Kona is first place in Kona, you get a little bit more. It's 125000 But as soon as you go after first place, this PTO race uh, trumps them in what every second position. Place? Yeah, what did you have Kona in front of you? Uh, yep, Kona, second place is 65000 So... Big drop off, you know, it's yeah. almost half. So total prize pool in Kona is seven hundred and fifty thousand. At this race, it's uh, one million. Okay, and they only pay fifteen deep in Kona now, don't they? They do, which yeah. is an improvement. What does fifteenth get into Kona? Fifteenth in Kona will get you three thousand dollars. Okay, so here you get ten thousand. Yeah. You know, so it's a big difference. It is. It's it's, it's amazing in Kona, three thousand dollars. And this is a race where you can do it. And then go off and do another race because it's you know it's it's only a, a sort of around about a three hour race. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, What's the seventy point three championship prize money? Uh, seventy point three champs, I think, is <clears throat> probably. I've got the the Ironman table here. I think it's probably three hundred and fifty thousand, uh, and that's fifty thousand for first place, and then drops down to three thousand. So if you say in comparison to the seventy point three, because it's going to oh, it's three times it. the amount. Yeah, it's a lot more money because as you say, you, 
everyone doing this race can turn up to Kona and not be damaged by this race. Hmm. Whereas if you're going to do, if they put an Ironman on, probably now you could get away with it, but maybe late August, hmm. if they've done Iron Distance in the PTO, that's yeah, it won't. It, it might work later on once this, everything's kind of calmed down. And if you've got enough forward planning um, to, to plan your season, then great. Uh, I can't remember exactly when these races were announced, but a lot of people would have had, especially this year, had their sort of calendars sort of locked in with uh, with doing yeah, yeah. Dub, double worlds. And the, the Collins Cup's August, mid, mid-August, isn't it? Uh, yeah, end of mid August. August yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, also this weekend we've got Lake Placid coming up. Yeah, we're not going to have uh, these races coming up now. We're yeah. going to have pretty thin fields. Cam Worth is down to race, but I'll be very surprised if he does, given he did Victoria a couple of weeks ago and had a great race there. So you've got Cody Beals, but surprising he's racing, um, given that the PTO race is on in Canada in his home country, but he hasn't qualified for Kona, so that's probably the reason. Uh, you've got Andy Potts, Matt Troutman, and Michael Weiss um, on the boys' side. Uh, looking forward to seeing the females. It's quite a good race there. Sarah True, uh, she hasn't got a Kona qualifying slot because she was off having a baby um, but she's up against Heather Jackson and Kylie Simpson who do both have slots so that should be I'm really interested to see how she goes she had a really good race a couple of weeks ago at a 70.3 and dominated the dojo uh, so good to have her back in the mix Brownlee's still injured isn't he I believe so okay okay um, a couple of other races we've got coming up this weekend you've got the Try Everest in Switzerland. You got the Eagle X Man in Italy, and you got the Outlaw in Nottingham in the UK. Hopefully, you guys in Europe, the heat wave is kind of passed a bit, and you don't uh, have to suffer through that. Because I wouldn't be surprised in these conditions if, uh, well, I think there's actually some rulings around when it gets to a certain temperature, you have to change the course uh, a little bit. I think. What happened on the tour yesterday? Because they're saying, oh, I, I, yeah, I watched the news, so this thing's pretty hot. Well, it's baking hot, man. Really? <laughs> yeah, so they, they, with that, they, they allowed them to have uh, more food and water support, and, yeah. and they were just trying to do everything they could. Was it carnage? No, well, luckily it wasn't. It was a relatively straightforward day. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was not. Didn't look like there was too much. Do you think in a day like that, you know, it's a Tour de France that you know they don't take it easy, but is it kind of a universal? Let's just kind of cruise today you and push out that, But no, really, wow. <laughs> because if you said that to a couple of teams, said that, then somebody's going, "Well, this is my opportunity." Yeah, true. Uh, no, it's. It's dog eats dog out there on that race. <laughs> there's, no, there's no easy days. Okay, John's short course update. We had the World Champs, sort of. No, the World Games. World Games. Have you ever heard of the World Games? It's, is this what, but is that the Champs? No, it's the World Games, uh, and it's kind of, I think I've heard of it before, but I just. This is the one that the, the Kiwis have been having on the news. Uh, the no, track and field and stuff. No, no, that's the World Athletics Champs. Okay, that, okay that's right. The World Games, from what I can see, from my very quick look, is basically an Olympics for non-Olympic sports. Uh, so they have all oh. sorts of random sports like uh, lacrosse. And oh, in our okay. instance, they've got duathlon. Um, they have things like inline skating. Um, they have... Never heard I of it. I think they... Just, just, if you think of a non-Olympic sport, it's probably going to be in, be in there. So it's a bit of a weird one, um, but they had it on and duathlon was included. Uh, so we they had a bit of a schmozzle in the duathlon, it sounds like, in the women's race. Half the field basically went the wrong way. Oh, uh, no. And so there's all these disqualifications. Uh, on the in the duathlon, the Frenchies took one and two on the boys' side with Maxine Herber Mossberger taking it out, and on the female side, uh, Maureen Ricor took it out from Belgium by about twenty seconds in front of the 
Ayueda, who's been a, just a Trojan on the World Triathlon Series over the years. And then they had a mixed team relay as well, where you do, a, a, you know, much like we see in the triathlon, you do, you know, each individual does a really short duathlon. And Team France took that out in front of Belgium, and the French are so good, they even managed to get third place as well. So, did you know New Zealand's in it? Yeah. In the netball? Netball? <laughs> yeah. No, surely not. Well, they've got netball here. Okay. Netball was developed, um, fun fact. But it I'm must be, that's weird, because they're, they're going off to the Commonwealth Games. So yeah, it's a bit of a random one. It's being held in Bur- Burlington or Birmingham? Somewhere in... Um, Birmingham, Birmingham, yeah. Is it in Birmingham? No, Burlington. Um, Somewhere in America. Birmingham, USA. Yeah. So you've got sports like softball, dance sports, you've got fist, fistball, you heard that? Yeah. Floorball, there's lots of balls. Yeah. Handball, hockey, yeah, corfball. Lacrosse, netball, rugby, don't think the All Blacks go into this, squash, uh, lots of fighting sports, lots of, you know, random fighting sports, archery's in it, that's the Olympics, isn't it? It is, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, bowling, temper bowling. Yeah. Uh, I went temper bowling last week. God, I was rubbish. Yeah, I suck at temper bowling. <laughs> My problem is I think speed's better, no. which is not a good strategy. Um, <laughs> casting, bodybuilding, tug of war. Nice. <laughs> it's got it all. Never heard of this. There you go. It obviously doesn't get top teams, but because I can't imagine you like the netball teams there right now in America. No, they're not. No. So, oh, well, hopefully it grows into something good. Okay, so that was a bit it's of a disaster. It's been going since the bloody 70s or 80s. Oh, there you go. You learn something every day, John. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add on that? No, that's it. Okay, then let's talk about this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was, let me just pull up here as I'm going into it, John. It is, are you going to watch the PTO Canadian Open and what will they need to do to deliver and keep you engaged? Okay, and it wasn't a huge amount of engagement in this question, so that probably shows a bit there anyway. But let's start. John, you go first. Um, ben Alchin, one word, Lionel Sanders. So he wants Lionel Sanders to get plenty of coverage, and that'll keep him engaged. Okay, um, Espen, I'm going to say Scafiu. Uh, with that field and distance, they all have to go to, uh, all they have to do is keep the cameras rolling and streaming working. Some commentary would be nice, but not required. I now have an idea who I want to win, and that is awesome. Uh, Christopher Doyle, yes, and even if yes. So he's pretty excited about it. Well, Peter Mills is going to prefer the rugby match in Wellington. Now I was given the Irish crap last week, and they beat us, John. It wasn't good. Seriously, I uh, just want to see some competitors not accepting perceived dominance and stir up some crap. Or oh, shit, he said. Edward Evans, what about that German... St- Dato, get him in. Uh, gold that lad. Not quite sure what that means, whether there's a German commentator. I'm not quite sure. Well, Edmund, Edward Edwins has also said, commentary having access to real-time data, then cameras on the athletes, etc. Uh, okay, here's Sam Long. An average of 350 watts close to close the gap, pushing in at red at 350 beats, close to distance, and so on and so on. So kind of real analytical using the stats to give us better commentary. Dallin Evanson, absolutely, I'm racing it and even convinced my wife to stay and watch the pros race with me. Super excited. He's a local lad. Okay, uh, good old John Weir's got, yep, start it when I'm sitting around with nothing to do and I'll pay attention. Last one we've got, Bradley Murphy, yep, anything other than Ironman coverage will keep me engaged. Super League is a gold standard, copy that. Um, World Triathlon Series could do with a change in commentary uh, slash presenting team two. Is it Ham- true? Hamburg last weekend was just felt dull. Again, I was left thinking it needs a Super League touch. You know what? That's really interesting, John, because I like my rugby league 
and my team that I follow is the Warriors, and they're a hard team to follow. And last weekend, what they do normally is they have the Australian commentators on, and last weekend they had three New Zealand commentators, and you, mm. they didn't give you the option to listen to Australian. Mm. And they were really bad. Mm. And it really ruined the game. Like, mm. it wasn't – they lost, and, it, you know, it's the Warriors, you know. But – and just the main feeder guy just had no energy, mm-hmm. and it really ruined the experience. Like, I, I went to bed at halftime because it was not doing it for me. Mm. Commentators are so important. Yeah. Is that true what you think? Is that I totally agree. Okay. Yep. So I, I've seen, I saw there was a press release this morning, actually, the commentators have come out. Uh, I think it's Barry Shepley, Belinda Granger, um, Vicky Holland, and some other guy who wasn't a, wasn't a triathlete. So um, I think Barry Shepley's fantastic. Um, but you, yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll get some excitement in the race to get the commentators fired up. Yep. Um, but I like to think those guys are, are pretty good. Uh, look, I think what they'll need to keep me engaged in is to have plenty of cameras out there so you can see what's going on with the likes of the chasers, you know, and, and the good thing is you've got a male and female only day, so it's not like they're trying to, in Kona, trying to cover yep. both races on the same day. Granted, this year will be a bit different. Uh, so, you know, we want to see how far behind Sanders is, keep a camera on him and see how quickly he's gaining, if he's gaining, and likewise with the, the other groups because it's likely we'll have, you know, maybe three three main groups come out. You'll have the, the speedy swimmers and then you'll probably have the second main group with the likes of Bl- um, potentially Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden and then probably Sanders off the back there. So you'd hope they're going to have, you know, three or four cameras out there and if they can do that, then we should then then the commentator's job should be easier because they'll be able to switch between cameras. So that's going to be the main thing for me. Would you call it appointment viewing? Um, like for me, <clears throat> there's probably in a year it's probably ten sporting appointment viewings mm. that, that I make sure. Like State of Origin last week, I, I mm. stayed up, got in, watched a great game of sport. Um, so for you, like what did you say, four thirty? It's pushing it. It's really close to appointment viewing for me. Yep. A four forty-five start. I might get up and do a, a bike ride at say five or something yep. like that. Uh, it's very close to it, and certainly the men's race for us fits in perfectly. Yeah. Six thirty on a Monday morning. Uh, I'll just be Heaven sitting there ground. working and just have it have it sitting in front of me on the iPad as I work. So, uh, so it is, and I'm just intrigued to see what sort of a job they do with it. So that's almost as important as what actually happens in the race. Going. PTO, you've been promising, and are you going to deliver? You've delivered the money, which is fantastic, and you consistently deliver that. But we need to see these races being, you know, really well and delivered, and just a massive step up from what we see at Ironman racing. So it's not appointment viewing for me. There's no way I'm getting up at four forty-five on mm. Saturday morning to watch it. Um, I probably will on Monday morning just because it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it can deliver and it proves to be a product that, it, like, it has potential, like. Kona is appointment viewing for me. Normally, mm-hmm. I don't watch the whole day, but I do make an effort on that day to be kind of in and out of the race all day long. This race here it doesn't have a history enough yet, mm. but as you say, if they can prove it, if they can prove they can put together a package, they've got the right athletes there, the caliber of field's really great. Not quite sure if the format's got that interesting. Mm. I'm not quite sure if you can do Super League like with long course. No. But can you? Can you do like five oh, sprints uh, in a day? Yeah, I, I, bet, I was not, literally about to say the same thing. You do the same distance, but you change the format. Yeah. Going swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, yeah, run. Yeah, like... Would that change it much in a long course race? Don't know. It'd, it'd keep things interesting though. Yeah. But then you've got to find that right venue where you've got a non-wetsuit swim and there's not that many of those venues. Um, then you start to really add massive heat into the equation. But yeah, you could certainly do it, you know, somewhere like Kona. Yeah, yeah. So at this stage, not. But 
but I hope that they get it right. Now, one thing they did see in this through with their PR releases this week is that they signed up with, was it Warner? Warner Brothers, yeah. yeah so they never like know what all that stuff No, means. but it, it seems like a good brand to be associated with, doesn't yeah. it? You know, it seems like they've got a content deal with something like a Warner Brothers, um, which would be a massive distribution, I imagine. So that's good in roads, isn't it? Mm. You know, because right now we've been backed by a rich guy. Mm. They've actually got to create a business model long term. So you know if this, this, this product can start to kind of go to the next level that'd be good okay this week's discussion should Ironman limit how far Kona qualifying spots should roll down for age groupers when they start rolling way down in the age group and we got an email about this from who's this from John? oh I'm not sure if you want to mention his name or not okay My- uh, we'll call him Mr. M. Mr. M. <laughs> he okay. may be fine. As a long time listener show, I'd like to thank you for everything I've learned from and also from being coached from John. Good work. Uh, both me and my wife took part in Ironman uh, in Switzerland last weekend. The race was a great experience, amazing course, and Swiss perfection organization. I would highly recommend. It was always my goal to qualify for Kona and coming fifth in my age group. Uh and coming with my ferry. So, being extremely happy after the race and very excited, going for the afterward ceremony the next morning, I was ready for the moment I was waiting for. As the slot allocation started, they announced that they had 75 slots plus 14 for women in try. It was probably announced before, but I hadn't checked. As I wanted to be in the top five, that would normally guarantee a Kona slot in my age group. This meant that the slots were rolling down a lot. In the 45 to 50 male category, it ended up that with the last two slots remaining. Wow, that's fascinating. And then reading names that placed 40th and further, they just asked if there is anyone that uh, that would want to accept the slot, come and get them. The moment that I was waiting for and dreaming about suddenly felt like a fast then when it got to my age group, I accepted the slot and we left immediately. I didn't want to be a part of it. On the race day, I spoke to a girl whose husband was running injured, so desperate to finish his 11th Ironman and then to do just one more to get the legacy slot. I bet he didn't even go to the awards ceremony the next day and he probably would have got the slot that he wanted. And right. is it, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? It is. So that's, sort of, that's what uh, spurred this week's discussion. You know, If you're at a race and the slots really start rolling... Should there be a point where that... Yeah, like if you're not in the top 20% of your age group, you don't, it stops. Yeah, and either the slot gets redistributed or it just, it's gone. Just, doesn't, just goes. Now, the reason this comes up, particularly this year, is all of a sudden there's way more slots everywhere because they've got the double-day format. So when we were in oh, Kona course. 70.3, yep. uh, normally in, in the age groups is the winner and in like some age groups is two slots. This year, I think there was like four in our age group oh, wow. at least, okay. if not five. Yep. Uh, and then they just started rolling. In some age groups, they rolled a lot. And with the 70.3, it's it's painful to watch. because well, nobody, 70.3, nobody, they can't give them away, can yeah, they? Yeah, nobody takes them. Which, <laughs> and so I just think they've got to come up with a different format um, in terms of distributing those and, and just the way, because it's not a buzz. It's, you know, the, no. the Kona, when, if you, all you people that haven't been to a Kona roll down um presentation before it's it's usually really cool yeah. you know you get people that maybe finished fifth in the age group and there was only well, that two was slots because i think i got i think i got fourth in my age group when i hmm. qualified i won it the next year and i didn't take the slot but the, the first year when i went to kona i yeah i think i got fourth and only three slots and someone yeah. didn't take it and it was exciting because you're yeah. like oh man i really want this yeah you know and then, then you that's really cool. get it. yeah but wow. then if it's like oh in 40th place can you please take a ticket yeah it doesn't so, lose its aura so Probably main message B, well there's two messages I want to give out here. If you are thinking about you'd like to go to Kona, 
go to the post-race uh, awards dinner for the rest of the, the season. But secondly, before you do that, and this is a warning to everybody who's racing coming up, have a think about where you're going to stay in Kona. Because I had a look a couple of days ago and there's basically no accommodation. And it doesn't oh, surprise really? me whatsoever. So if you're going to Kona, you're pretty much going to have to stay down in sort of the Waikoloa, um, Manalani area, which is about 50 kilometres away from Kona, which isn't the worst thing, but it's still bloody expensive. I looked on Airbnb in the Kona area and I thought, oh, those prices don't actually look too bad because I put the dates in yep. sort of for 10 days. And then you know, I thought, oh, that's per night. Oh, it really? Was like over $1,000 New Zealand per night. Mm. For ten for ten days, jeez, really? <laughs> it was mental. I suppose you because you got and two, that's two, for a, two days. That's for an average yeah. what, one bedroom place. You know, you're looking yeah, at thousand dollars New Zealand a night. Uh, so well, anyway. that's the sweet discussion. So again, the discussion is: Should Ironman limit how far Kona qualifying spots roll down for age groupers when they start rolling way down in the age group? Okay, John's quiz question: What year did the first woman finish in the Hawaii Ironman? That's a really good question, okay. Uh, and uh, just while I was doing this, because the reason I came up with this one, I'm a bit bamboozled as to, we've got equality in Kona this year, and we had it in 70.3 with the yep. females. Why is this not a bigger news? Because it's for true. so long, we battled battled for it. Yeah, and we gave them crap. And 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 they're like, no, we're not doing it, not doing it. The women's field's not strong enough, not strong enough. And now we've got it, and the people, I don't know, I, it just seems a bit weird. And I know that Iron Man won't want to go, like, yeah, but we, we, we actually have done it. And, yeah. and it makes us look a bit stupid because we should have done it in the first place. The reason I'm thinking about that is in New Zealand in the last week, our women cricketers got pay parity with the, the male cricketers. Yeah. And and I just listened to an interview and just like, of course the females don't bring and generate the same income as males or anything like that. But you're investing in a product yeah, exactly. that you're thinking is going to happen further down well, the track. Yeah. And it just seems bizarre. And how, how can you develop people if you don't give them opportunity? Mm, it seems bizarre that Iron Man couldn't see that years ago just at a, at a pro level, but also the trickle-down effect of that well, getting more women in sport. Just just the PR of it. You know, yeah. that's when they brought out women and try, didn't they? Yeah. You know, just to try to, because they look bad in this area, so they brought out women and try. Um, it was just not a good look. And everyone was against them. And as you say, now they've done it, but maybe it's just let's get it across the line and yeah. not make a big thing out of it. Okay. Um, age, age group of the week. week. Okay, good old Patrick, the divided one, Walkington, sent through Ian Johnson has been one of my long-term athletes who I've coached for several years now. After completing several half Ironmans, Ian had a crack at Ironman UK in 2021, but failed to make it in the bike cutoff. That's heartbreaking, eh? Mm. Man, that is hard. You, know, you work so hard for an Ironman, and your family's there, mm. and you know, and oh, mate, that sucks. After um, with unfinished business, this is how good Ian is. Ian returned to Ironman UK last weekend, just a few weeks ago, and crossed the line in 16 hours and 19 minutes. People often think it's the fast guy that inspire, and they do. But nothing inspires more when a non-Uber athlete crosses the finish line of an epic challenge like an Ironman. I'm so proud of Ian. Ian, you are a bloody legend. Because it is that thing, you know, like you fail. Mm. I often say, you know, it's, it's one thing to try, but it's one thing to try after you've failed a few times. Mm. And again, if you've turned up to an Ironman, your friends, family know about it. Mm. You know, I remember one time years ago we had a lady doing a beginner 5K group. It was a huge thing for her. And she got 
got sick on the day, and so she started it, but she was never going to do it. And she, and she came with a meeting on the Monday night, just you know, a recap meeting. And she said it was the most embarrassing thing going into work and saying that she didn't do the run. Mm-hmm. And she would have been able to do it if she wasn't sick, and she went on to do it. But you know, that you go to an Ironman, your whole world knows that you're turning up to this race, mm-hmm. and to not make the cutoff is so heartbreaking. And a lot of people in that moment would go, you know what, this just isn't for me. Mm. But not old Ian. But that is one of the most satisfying things about Iron Man. Uh, it's a bloody hard nut to crack, and Ian's found that out. And and a lot of other people that might be somewhere else on the spectrum, it, you know, it might take you three, four, five Iron Mans before you actually crack it, and you're able to put in a in a good run, whether it be whatever you didn't do the training or you completely balls up your nutrition or your pacing or whatever. But that makes it even more satisfying when you actually do it. You know, it's a bloody tough task to to do an Iron Man to the best of your potential on the on the given day. So, yeah. Ian, uh, Ian Johnson, you, you are, are our age group of the week. The never quitter. That's what I like about him. Okay, let's go. Actually, we've got an interview. We have. So we're going to talk with Mickey Tugholt uh, from Denmark, and you're going to hear a little intro, but he finished uh, fourth at the World 70.3 Champs last year, which was an amazing performance. Here we go. Here is Mickey right now. Righty ho guys, um, obviously in the world of Ironman at the moment, there's a lot of talk about the, the Norwegians and how they're killing everything and uh, going to take on the world, but we should also be keeping an eye on another Scandinavian country because we saw Magnus Ditlev did an amazing job and wrote a couple of weeks ago at Ironman St. George at the World Champs, we had da- Daniel Beckengard was in the mix and the current world rankings, you see Danish athletes in fourth and seventh and 19th and 33rd. And last year at the 70.3 Worlds, we had three Danes in the top 10. And uh, fifth place there was Mickey Tarkholt, and he's on the show today. So welcome along, Mickey. Thanks. Uh, fourth place last year, but fourth, yeah. Fourth. Oh, dear. No, that's even better. I remember you and Daniel Beckengard uh, seemed to celebrate pretty hard at the finish line there. Oh, yeah. Getting to celebrate on the finish line with my best friend and teammate was, yeah, incredible. Um, couldn't have planned that much better. Yeah. T- tell us a bit about your background before before triathlon, sort of what you did as a, as a kid and so on. Um, actually, growing up, I was not into sports. Um, like, sport in school was, was like, the worst. Um, my least favorite subject Um Usually in my time off, I would read books um, and I was a bit of a bookworm. Um, and yeah, I did a little bit of swimming, but that was mostly because my parents, like we live in Denmark and there's a lot of water around the country and they, yeah, I like, I needed to be able to swim. Um, but yeah, I didn't enjoy sports and I didn't enjoy swimming, but I don't know. At one point I got a new coach and the coach challenged me a little bit um, and that intrigued me and got me. Yeah, a bit more serious about swimming um and at the time i was both swimming and i was playing tennis and football as well um but yeah as i got more serious with swimming i, I started doing like just swimming um i started swimming competitively and did that for i don't know 10 years maybe um before i made a soft transition into triathlon um took me a few years to start really doing triathlon but then 2013 I moved um, to Ulster with the national team back then and yeah pretty much started doing triathlon at, at full time um, and that was kind of like where I went all in um, but I had 
I had a bad crash in 2012, which kept me out for quite some time. Um, but yeah, it was a rough beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I love the environment. I love the people around the sport. Um, but it took me a while to, yeah, to really get going with triathlon. So you, you said you were, you know, doing it fairly full time from from 2013. But the first professional results I could see was was 2019. So um, what sort mm-hmm. of happened in that period, and and what gave you the confidence that you could make it as a professional? Mm, I did a lot of ITU racing before that. Um, so I raced short distance triathlon from. Yeah, probably from, I, I don't think I did any racing back in 2013, maybe not in 2014 um, either due to the, yeah, I had the crash and I had a severe uh, concussion and had a lot of yeah, headache uh, from that. So I couldn't train too much and yeah, I didn't compete because of that either. But yeah, I, I did ITU, um, did some European Cups, did some World Cups. Um, I was, for a brief period of time, I was actually part of the, Olympic team as well, trying to qualify for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't have enough speed. Um, and then I didn't know if I like had to quit the sport or to try something completely different. Um, so I did my first middle distance race in Denmark in 2017, I think. Um, I raced Challenge Hanning and finished third. And yeah, had a lot of fun doing it, um, but still continued a little bit with uh, with the ICU racing. But yeah, kind of like when I dropped out of the like Olympic qualification program, um, I went into into middle distance triathlon. Was um, when you when you started racing pro, did you go one hundred percent all in uh, in terms of you know? Were you, were you having to work? Um, how were you sort of making it happen when you when you do, decided to make the the big jump into you know racing professionally and, and probably leaving the national team? I guess. Um, so I started studying at university in 2014, and when you're a student in Denmark, you get paid for that. So I was kind of living on that money. Um, of course, when I was on the national team racing ITU, the federation was paying for my travels. Um, but yeah, when I made the, the switch in 2019, I had to, to cover all my expenses myself and yeah, you don't make that much money as a student. Um, so I was kind of depending on the price money I want to cover my next travel, yeah. uh, because we don't have that many races in, in Denmark or in the, that close. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of pressure every time going to a race because I knew that I had to win at least a decent amount of price money in order to finance my next travel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was how I made it work for, yeah, for a few years actually. Until last year, I had I had to do it that way. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. Um, so in Denmark, you get paid when you're at university. That's the the opposite to most other countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, okay, so 2021 looked like a a good year. You know, you got fourth at the um, 70.3 Worlds. You got second at uh, California 70.3. So, w- when mm. you go to the World Champs and, and you're lining up there, you know that's a an expensive trip to go from from Europe across to to America and, and spend quite a bit of time there. What's what's your mindset when you're lining up at the World Champs? You know, how much pressure are you feeling? to perform because you've invested a lot of money to be there? Mm, 
to be honest, I didn't have a lot of pressure on myself last year. I had just become a dad and ah. I raced only once before 70.3 Worlds last year. Um, I raced in Elsinore just over a month after I became a dad and kind of out of the blue qualified for Worlds. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and see like what happens. Um, so I, yeah, I trained intensively for it and left three weeks prior to Worlds. Um, and invested a lot of time and a lot of the energy in trying to make a good result. Um, but yeah, I got a homestay over there. So I, and I actually stayed with Daniel. Um, so that like kept the expenses down. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed myself. I didn't feel too much pressure. I was just mostly there to just have fun and no one expected anything like of me. Um, so I was really flying under the radar and just, yeah, I enjoyed it all and was just super excited to race against the best in the world for the first time. And yeah, I just had a lot of fun out there and yeah, had a, had a really good race. It, and has, have those results changed things much for you? Uh, you know, in terms of really performing against the, the big athletes, um, does it change your outlook on, you know, when you go to, to races this season? Um, does it change how you feel and your confidence and so on when you're against the best in the world? Oh yeah, Absolutely. It gave me a lot of confidence, but it also put more pressure on me. Yeah. Um, suddenly, I could feel that people kind of put a target on my back. Um, I was no longer flying that much under the radar, and that took a little while to get adjusted to, um, especially when I was lining, lining up for Oceanside, which was the next race after Walls. I felt like there was a lot of pressure from people to see if I was able to perform again, or if it was just like a one-time thing I did at Walls. Um, so I really felt a lot of pressure going into Oceanside um, from the outside, but also really for myself to show that this was not just like a coincidence, but that I could uh, perform on, on yeah world-class level once again. Nice. Uh, and what's going on in Denmark at the moment? You know, in terms of you guys have got multiple athletes. Yeah, I mentioned Magnus Sitlev doing really well. Daniel Beckengard is obviously doing well. Um, you got Christian Holgenhag as well, uh, and yourself. You know, that four guys that on their day are extremely, extremely good, especially at 70.3. So what's um what sort of brought this on? Um yeah, we have so many strong um environments, like training environments in Denmark. We have like one in Copenhagen where Magnus trains and he has like a lot of strong things to train with. Um, he's the best right now in Copenhagen, but he has so many strong athletes he also trained with who have gotten some pretty good results as well. Um, then we have the one in Odense that has existed since 2013. It's the, the first national training center. Um, but yeah, just like a really good, strong group of people who are all like-minded and all want to be the best in the world. And the same goes with the with the team in or the national training center in Newland that Christian is a part of. Um, so we have, like across the country, we have three really, really strong environments, um, which consists of some, yeah, like-minded people who just like want to have fun, but also want to be the best in the world. And that really showcases now that, that we have a lot of yeah, good environments and strong athletes that push each other every day to be better. Um, and I mean, of course, we also inspire each other um, across the, the training centers watching Magnus absolutely destroy everyone in rough was <laughs> amazing. Um, and yeah, just like wants us all to show that, that we can do even better than that. And that's amazing. 
do, do you guys get much media coverage in the in the mainstream media? Uh, no, that would be sad to say. Um, we're getting <laughs> a little more attention, but it's not a lot. I mean, when you see now how much attention Vingegaard is getting for the Tour de France, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, of course, it's incredible. Um, and what he's doing is absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, we, we get a little bit, um, but but yeah, I know it's, it's getting better, but I also think that we deserve yeah, a little bit of media time. I would say. Yeah, yeah I've, I've told Mickey uh, today when we're actually recording this is on the, the 14th of July. So a few days before this comes out. And I've told him not to mention today's stage, which <laughs> is the uh, which is Alpe d'Huez. Yesterday was uh, the, the Grand Dom where we saw Vingegaard completely destroy everybody. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I imagine he's getting huge coverage over there. Oh, yeah. It, everyone is going completely mad. <laughs> and it's completely deserved. I mean, what he did yesterday was, yeah, probably the best Tour de France stage I've ever seen. Like, just, yeah, yeah the whole team effort as well. But, yeah, the last bit from Jonas was incredible. Yeah, awesome. Um, obviously, you know, tw- we're back to racing now. Um, but but 2020, um, you yeah, know, we had the lockdowns and no travel. And I'm not sure if you did any racing in 2020. But how, how did you get through, um, you know, COVID and and sort of lockdowns and, and no racing and probably no income. How, how, how did you get through that period? Um, I think it was the best period uh, of training-wise I've ever had. Um, I found so much joy in just training um, and getting to train without any races, without any table, without, like, there wasn't actually much else to do other than train. So... <laughs> I don't know. I had an incredible year. Um, I trained. Me and Daniel uh, trained everything together every day, um, and I think that is actually kind of like what showcases now as well. Is the big base that we both did in two thousand, like in twenty twenty, during the lockdown. Um, we did so much training. We did so much quality work, and it benefited us both so much. Um, so I think, yeah, what we are seeing now from both me and Daniel is is. Yeah, also a big part of that is, is due to COVID and yeah, the huge amount of training we were we put in uh, during the lockdown. What, what did a, a typical week look like during that period? You know, in terms of sessions per week and, and hours and anything specific you were doing. Mm, I think we trained like thirty to thirty-five hours a week, um, and I don't know. We probably swam five to six times a week and ran five to six times a week and maybe rode the bike every day, at least during the summer. Um, and we're just, yeah, we were just out there having fun. Uh, did a lot of fun rides, um, not too much intensity um, because we didn't know when the next race was coming up. So we did a lot of just base miles, um, which is also a little bit why we could keep a pretty high volume. Um, but yeah, we just had a lot of fun. We just, explored a lot of food and, and did a lot of fun things that we've talked a lot about could, could be fun to do but it's not really possible to do during the summer because of the race season mm. um so yeah we had a lot of fun we trained uh differently than we usually would um but yeah no it's just a lot of fun and yeah it's great for both of us yeah um so what's the what's the plan for for this season? Yeah, um, we're, we're sort of mid mid season now. I, I'm pretty sure I saw your name down for 
the PTO race in Canada mm-hmm. coming up. Um, you've, you've raced in Elsinore already. You've got a second place there, uh, fourth place at the, the Challenge um, Family Championship race. So what, what's on the, on the menu for the rest of the season? Um, yeah, I'm sorry, the... sorry, I've just got to mention, I just pulled up one result. The Challenge Championship race uh, it looked like you had a, a sprint finish there with the, the Kiwi Kyle Smith. There's only one second between you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The championship was a wild race. Um, I, uh, <laughs> um, I went a little boom boom on the bike. Um, I was out in the front playing with Peter Hemerick. Yeah, I probably pushed a little bit too many watts, but we, we, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, then started on run in second position. Um, but yeah. Pretty quickly got overtaken by, by a, a flying Gustav and Richard Wager, who had a great race. Um, and yeah, Steger, uh, Thomas Steger, one of my yeah. teammates of Payback as well, um, overtook me and I overtook him again and was in third with Columns and a half to go, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I died. <laughs> then yeah. my leg said, nope. Um, and I think I had at that point I had around 45 seconds back to Kyle with with yeah maybe 2k to go. Um but then after yeah with 600 meters to go my body shut down completely. Um <laughs> and yeah Kyle almost caught me. Um, I managed to do a little bit of a sprint the last 20 meters I think and just stayed in front of him but that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a, a different race for me. Um a super fun experience but yeah, I've never tried that before, and that was the first time I've ever been in a sprint finish on a 70 minute free. Um, so yeah, really different, and that pulled everything out of me. That was, whew. yeah, I, I didn't feel too good for a few hours after that, but yeah, it was fun. Nice. Sorry, and you're going to say what the, the plans were for the season? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've done the championship, I've done Elsinore, and the next thing that's coming up is um, PTO Canadian Open in 10 days. Um, after that, I have a little season break where I'm gonna, yeah, uh, get in some good training. Um, and then hopefully next up will be PTO Open in Dallas and then 70.3 Walls. And yeah, maybe another race after 70.3 Walls if I'm still feeling, still feeling good and still feeling fit. Um, and just motivated enough to, to put in another race. I would like to do that. But yeah, that's the plan right now. Uh, any, any temptation to, double the distance and, and do an Ironman or are you sticking with the 70.3 so a half Ironman distance for the time being? Um, there is some temptation and there is some yeah I might do it after walls we'll see how the body is feeling and how the mind is feeling um, but yeah I'm definitely considering doing an Ironman race that's for sure. Nice um, a few, few random questions um in terms of race day, what's your, your breakfast before the race? Uh, yeah, what do, what do you have in the morning? Yeah, I don't feel like this is the usual breakfast that I have before the race, but um, yeah, I eat like the widest bread I can find with a lot of Nutella on. Nutella, <laughs> um, nice. And then I probably drink around one liter of Coke. Um, and then I drink a monster as well. Nice. That's that, my uh, pre-race breakfast. That is, uh, that's quite unique. And, and what yeah. about dur- during the race? What, what's, what's your nutrition plan uh, at, at a 70.3? 
Um, I'm doing gels and liquid only and around 100 to 110 grams an hour. Um, so that's, yeah, probably I have 90 grams in each of my bottles and then I have take two gels as well, 30 grams each. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, in terms of your legs, do you wax or shave? Uh, I shave. Yeah. Do people actually wax their legs? Yeah, I'm, I'm a very hairy person and my legs get waxed because it takes forever. Um, a rather random Ooh. one. Do you use any facial moisturizer? <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, good. And have you done an uh, like a fresh marathon? Um, or if you haven't, what do you think if you gave yourself a, a nice build up, what you could do for a, um, a fresh marathon? Oh, that's a tough one. I think it was uh, uh, Rasmus Henning was the famous one on the on our podcast, and I think he he said some crazy fast time, like a two. Did he say a two twelve or two sixteen, which seemed really crazy fast. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of no idea. Um, I've only done a half. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. But what's um, your, what's your half half marathon time been? Uh, I did a one ten fifty eight last year. Also, know. nice, very good. Um, okay, tell tell us a bit about your team um, and any anything you want to promote, anything you've got, or, or any ways people can follow you. Um, yeah, they can follow me on on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, mostly active on Instagram. Um, it's just my name, Miki Tohat. Um. And my team, yeah, I'm, I'm part of two teams. Um, I have the Payback Racing Team, who is my professional team, and uh, pays my salary and, yeah, helps me with my equipment. Um, and then I have my training team, which is based in Owens and consists of uh, several professional athletes, which, yeah, they're all great people. Um, and almost all of them have done podiums in 73 and challenge races, and the rest of them will for sure do that in, in the next coming years. Um, we have so much like talent mass in Denmark and what we have seen right now is only the tip of the iceberg. Um, the next years are going to be even more amazing. That's what we've seen so far from the Danes. How, how many in your training group? And is it all guys or have you got some females as well? Uh, right now we only have one girl. Um, we've had some more as well. We've also had some international um, people on our team, but yeah, we have, but it's a little bit of a mix. We have some like professionals and then we have some very serious age groupers and then we have some, yeah, some in between as well. Um, so it's, it's a little mix of everything, but it's, I feel like it's a really good mix because I don't know, as, as a personal athlete, you might be a little like close-minded and might only talk about triathlon. And it's nice to get around to talk to people about something completely different as well mm. and kind of keep us grounded as well. Um, so I feel like we have a yeah, really healthy environment, um, which consists of both professional and non-professional athletes. Yeah, awesome. Oh, we look forward to, to the Canadian Open uh, next weekend. It should be an amazing race. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of money on the line, so hopefully, uh, mm -hmm. hopefully you finish in the, that, that top handful. Um, so safe travels to get over there, and uh, all the best with that, and thanks so much for your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Jumbo, your thoughts? Uh, that was really good. You know, the, the, I recorded this interview 
last week on Friday, as you guys heard, um, before there was all the sh- all the, the changes in the Tour de France general classification, and okay. now got the Danish leader. And by the time some of you guys are listening to this, uh, it may have changed again. But uh, the Danish athletes are killing it in the Tour de France. They're doing, as you've heard, exceptionally well a triathlon for a very small nation, um, a bit like you know the, the Nor- Norwegians and and. Great Britain to a degree, you know, not the best climate for, for triathlon necessarily, you know, yeah. got pretty harsh winter, especially in Scandinavia, yet they just keep delivering and they've sounds like they've just got these little squads set up, uh, fantastic teams and, you know, and that's what seems to be making the difference is that team approach, whereas when you look at a lot of the other pro athletes around the world, a lot of them are uh, individuals, yes there's, there's other little pockets of training groups and coaching groups but there's a lot of individuals out there as well and this team approach we're seeing over there uh, seems to be working really really well so no Ironman's on the horizon there for Mickey um, but in terms of 70.3 it's crushing it and uh, let's see what he can do this week Harold challenge count uh, that's a good question Bevan I will just look that up he looks young he looks young he's just had a baby though as he said yeah, that. That, he is 28 okay oh no he's just looks young it's mid-range age Mid, for an mid-range. athlete. Mid-range. Yep. Mid-range age. Okay, let's go winger, winger of, of the week. week. Now, Rebecca Spears is this week's winger. <laughs> yeah. And do, I, do we know Rebecca? Because it's a I name know I know really well. Rebecca came on uh, an Epic Camp mini camp a couple of years ago. Um, so I don't know if you know. Maybe I just she, know because I've obviously she's on the show, emailed and stuff, but I'm going to Facebook stalk you, Becca. <laughs> there we go. I'm Facebook she right is now. from Tauranga, uh, and she used to be in... Wellington, um, so she had. A, I'm just pulling it up now. She had a solid week of training. She's often for for you guys, non New Zealanders. Tauranga is an area called Mount Monganui, and she looks like she runs a lot there. It's basically this trail that runs around this big um, mountain. You have got water all around you, and it's where one of our biggest triathlons every year is the the Mount Festival. So uh, last week, Rebecca, what she she get up to? She had a bit of open water swimming. Let's see what her longest bike ride is. Have you figured out if you actually know Rebecca yet? Well, what I do know about, oh, maybe I know the face, but what I do like about her setup at home, she's got a desk. Is this actually hers? She's got a desk, which turns into a treadmill. (laughs) Or got a treadmill running underneath her desk. I think I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So So she must be, it's like a portable treadmill. It's a, it's a stand-up desk, so she can sit down and work on the desk. She can put it up. She's got her computer screens for her, her, her screens for when she's running. And then she also has like a standing mat as well. She's very practical. I like yeah. Rebecca. Good. Very practical. Good. I'm just trying to find what she actually, how much she did last week. Always changes on me on the day. Come on, Bevan. What else she do? She likes, she likes rainbows. Rebecca Spears. Last last week she did thirteen hours and thirteen minutes of training from twelve activities. She just snuck in to being wearing of the week because she did manage to go for a forty-four minute swim. She oh, biked nice. eight hours and ten minutes and then ran four hours and eighteen minutes. Yep. And the other that was the other thing I wanted to mention. It looks like she's doing a fantastic challenge, running. 365 days. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So she's up to day, about day 198. Uh, and it looks like she's giving herself a minimum of 20 minutes per day that she's got to run. But she looks like she's doing a 365 day challenge, which is it's a big very commitment, noteworthy. Hey? Yeah, that's a big commitment. Mm. You know, like 
you know, you do need to have parameters which are realistic, but it's it's every day getting up and mm. not getting injured. Mm. Rebecca Spears, you're a legend. That's why you are All this right. week's Wanger of the Week. Uh, we're back. We had to do a quick pause then, but we have questions and, and answers. answers. So it's more John's quiz question, let's be honest. So the quiz so that, question that, was... That is a question and an answer. There you go. There you go. So the question was, what year did the first female finish Ironman in Kona? Now, the first year was 78, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was 78. Yeah. Was it 78 Mission Bay was 78, wasn't it? And I think I think it was 76, maybe, Mission Bay. Look, Kona was 78. Yeah. Can't remember. But I'm think, I think you're right. 78 was the first Kona, I thought. Okay. okay I'm going to say 79. I don't think it was 79. I'm going to go 80. Okay. Well, it's going to be around there. It didn't take that long for the Good old tryrating.com. Always he, he's got all the winners of Kona. And damn it. 79? Bevan was right. <laughs> yeah. 78, no females. 79, Lynn Lemire from the USA took it out in 12.55. The year after, that time was improved by an hour and a half by Robin Beck from the States. It's funny watching. Look, So if we look at the female times, this is a kind of interesting observation. Uh, we really started to get fast. So basically, it started, the first female was there in 79. Uh, next year was 1120. Next year was 12. Next year was 1109. Next year was pretty much 11. Next year was 1043. 86. Paula Newby Fraser, yeah, 949. That, that was the big difference. You know, Paula did a 949 there. And, you know, you know, Aaron Baker did 935. And then, then it got down to the nine-hour mark. Mm-hmm. You know, but that first kind of seven or eight years, probably first six years, stayed... Pr- in today's standards, pretty slow. Um, and then we saw a big jump in that year there. Mm. First year they broke nine hours was in 1992, with Paul Newby Fraser going 8 to 55. Jeez, yeah, that would have been a big moment, eh? Hey? Mm. In the first year, we, we, the first year we got seven hours, and the men's was in 2018, Patrick Langer. Mm. Yeah, so first year for nine hours, so about nine hours for the men was. So it still took eight years. No, six years, seven years to go sub nine. Yeah, you got to remember, those were on pretty oh, shitty old bikes. And, you know? Well, I was actually thinking about this t- today. If we put like a hell regal hmm. on today's technology, would he be as good as today's cyclists? Um, it's, it's not comparing apples with apples. You I, know, know. It's just, I know, you know, it's training, different moved on, nutrition's moved on. The 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 the, race, the racing how it actually happens out there has moved on. So I just think we respect each generation for for what they did, and, and I think the ones that really knocked the doors down was was yeah Paul Newby Fraser made that big time gain, and then on the main side it was Dave Scott. He he dropped some uh, some really big time. So what was Dave's fastest time? Was it when he got second to Mark? Mm, Probably eight twenty eight. No, eight twenty eight and nineteen. 86. Yeah, but when he got second to Mark, he probably was only a few minutes behind him. True. You know, yeah. so that was, that was probably as fast as Good point. probably about 8, 12, 13. Yeah. Um, okay, so there you go. So there was, I, I won. You did. Congratulations. Winner, winner chicken okay. dinner. dinner. What was your swim set? Well, swim set today was 300 warm up, 225 drill, 25 freestyle, 100 meters IM. And then a little warm up set was uh, four 100 build ups. So then you increasing your pace each 25 meters so it's like 25 easy 25 steady 25 moderate 25 hard four times through then the main set was four times 400 moderately hard so that's sort of 
around about your sort of Olympic distance effort, maybe sort of half Ironman Olympic distance effort. And then we had 300 metres easy with some mixed strokes and finished off with nine times 50, two sprints, one easy, and then warm down. But I had to cut it a little bit at the end because I had to go home to do an interview for next week's show. Oh, he's a legend. Okay, we've got a new patron at Luke. Gilmer, uh, Gilmer, I'm going to say, and he's got. I'm a father of three kids and a school teacher living in Bathurst. Bathurst. Oh, see, we've got to go have to go a car name oh, there. Do, so, for, for non-Australian and New Zealand listeners, Bathurst is the most famous car racing sort of event in the sort of uh, New Zealand and Australia. Really, yeah, you'd oh, probably say F1 in, a, in Melbourne as well. Yes, but you know, Bathurst is more local um, in Australia. Um, I'm 40 this year, born in '82. I started try when I was 13 and had a few years away from the sport through university, but refounded again in my mid 20s. In 2009, while living in Canada, I won the Canadian long course amateur title overall. Nice work. Then I tried to race at elite level in 70.3 from 10 to 2012, but despite being a good amateur, I was not competitive at the elite level and suffered issues with my ITBs that really limited my running and my ability to be competitive. It was a great experience in traveling and racing in places like the Philippines. I took a little time off from the 2013 to 2015. Then my love for the sport was returned and I came sixth at Ironman Lake Tahoe in California in 2015, amateur only race. I uh, went to Kona in 2016. I then finally had an operation on my ITP and some got and some more kids got back into Ironman Kens in 2021 and was way off making Kona. But this year I had a good race and was up my age group and finished third in the 40 to 44 division. And I'm now heading to Kona again this October. Go you rock star. This is costing me a fortune. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. And my very supportive fiance, Janelle, Janelle uh, said we should just go and make it happen. This will be my last Ironman for a few years. So I can focus on the kids, but I'll keep racing shorter events as I love the sport. You know what? Love the story. Yeah, Luke. You know, started <clears throat> when he was 13, in his 40, still got his passion for the sport, gets to do Kona. And impressive, I think one really good point there was he won the Canadian National Long Course title in 2009, tried to race at um, sort of pro level and, and you realise the difference between racing top age group versus pro is gigantic. You can still do it, you can, but you're going to be a long way down the field. Yeah. And there's always those few special ones that do manage to step up. It's pretty but rare, but isn't it's it? It's pretty bloody rare. Uh, so fantastic. So we, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we've got What about of, the, the, the Brocky? The Brocky, you're right. Oh, we we'll put up a kiwi, kiwi slant on oh, it. No, 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 because Peter Brock, he was oh, not a kiwi. Brock. He was not a kiwi. Who, what were you thinking? Yeah, I was thinking for some reason I was thinking he was a kiwi, but he's not. Peter Brock. Had... So for those people who don't know the Bathurst race, Peter Brock won it nine times, didn't he? I think he's won it the most of, of anybody in the history of the sport. He was a lovely man. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, and he was quite young. Well, he wasn't young, young, but he was probably in his fifties, you know, his sixties. Um, but a legend of the sport. Now it depends if you're a forward or a holding guy. Yeah, true. You know, but I'm gonna I'm assume or have you got a better nickname? No, the Brock. Yeah, nice. Luke, but, the Brock. Is it Gilmer? Gilmer. Gilmer. Yep. Gilmer. The Brock. Nice. Uh, one thing for non Kiwis, Peter Brock fronted ads in New Zealand um, on TV for, for like road safety. Road safety. Only a fool breaks a two, two second, second rule. rule. There you go. So you can't follow a car. But if you're driving at the moment, listening to us. Count to two seconds, and if you're inside that two seconds from the car in front of you, you're a fool, according to Peter Brock. Say what? Great photo. Yeah, the Brock's looking great in the photo. <laughs> there we go. Uh, second one I'm going to mention, and this was from last week, was Gareth Bumblebee Bridge. Yep. Um, 
and I said we did a little search on the internet and he's some sort of transformation director and we actually yeah. got it right. <laughs> he was a transformation oh, really? director. Uh, but he just completed Rote uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, good stuff. Uh, might be coming back to Ironman New Zealand and Taupo in December. Um, so this year for Ironman in New Zealand, they're having two Ironmans and they're doing one in December, which is fantastic for a lot of people because it means you get it done and dusted before Christmas so you yeah. can chill out at Christmas. Uh, and he's going to combine that with a trip back home. However, and the reason... Oh, it's a Kiwi. A Kiwi, living in, I think he's living in London. Oh, uh, he's living stuff. in the UK. However, one thing we wanted to give a plug to was um, his wife has also got a podcast, and this is gold. Uh, so her most popular podcast is called Conning the Con. Yep. And it's about a fraudster in New Zealand who groomed his wife's sister on Tinder and then conned her. Uh, she would love a plug. I'm not going to give away the story here because I read about this. In, so wait a second, in the, give me context here. So a, a guy was a fraudster. Yeah, he went on Tinder and he groomed his sister-in-law. Yeah, so he ended up dating his sister-in-law and conned her out of money. But it's a, it's a good, great story. It was in it was in our news, newspapers over here, and I remember it. reading it. And it's conning the con. So you can imagine what's going to happen here. She con conned her, and she got him back. And so, but he's doing it to a sister-in-law. Sorry, no, no. His sister-in-law was the one that got con. Oh, okay. And okay. so his his wife and his sister-in-law have then come up with a podcast describing the whole experience, which is bloody traumatic when you're going out with someone and oh. and they're into your world and she had kids and stuff and he just shafted her uh, to three hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! And which and the sister, I, I just started listening to her yesterday. You're thinking, you hear about these things and you're thinking. How, how stupid are these people? But yeah. this was her sister, who's not a stupid person. She's a physiotherapist. She's got her own practice, yep. and she's really onto it. Um, but she did get conned, but it's a gold story. And so they've got a series called Conning the Con. Go check it out if you like podcasts. Uh, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, we also want to thank you, Andrew Maud, Too Smooth. Cam, Magic Man Hanson. And then Michael Diggett Dooley. These are all awesome patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Look for the support the boys, go through the process, donate to the show, supporting what we do, which we really appreciate. And thank you to those people who have become patrons and are patrons. Uh, also, you get gifts, you go to your win prizes and all the rest of it. Uh, if you want to get some coaching, check out coachjohnnewson.com. You can also check out his Epic Camps at epiccamp.com. My new book, which is still selling like hotcakes, which is really exciting. Uh, go passionaboutexercise.com. Uh, again, it's not necessarily for you guys, but it's for the people. And you, do you know what I found really interesting? Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll talk about this in a second. Uh, um, email us, age groupers a week, so on, I'm podcast at gmail.com. So one thing I found really interesting with the book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the people I see are people who are really fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and admittedly, my, my book's not for that person. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you, I talk about there's four different types of exercises. There's the non-exerciser, mm-hmm. the yo-yo, come and goes, the habit, and the thriver. Mm-hmm. You know, and the habit is the person who has got a good habit. Sometimes the habit person doesn't get great results because mm-hmm. they're no longer challenging themselves. And the thriver is the person who's really killing it. And I, what I kind of think is that at a minimum, we want to be a habit with periods of thriving. And you're mm-hmm. a good example of that. You have mm-hmm. moments where you have it and sometimes where you're racing. Now, um, the book's not for the habit or the thriver. The book is for everyone underneath that. Mm-hmm. But what I found really interesting is so many people have said to me, oh, so many people in my life need this book. 
but they don't want to recommend it because they think people think they're being judged. Mm. You know, mm. it's been real. Like I was speaking to a lady at the gym on last Thursday. It's a lovely lady called Cash, and Cashing is a, a member who her and her husband Bill, probably mid to late fifties, fit as been exercising forever. Beautiful mm. people, really caring souls, and they've got a business. And they said there's a few people in our business who I know. You know, I lo- love what you're doing in your book. Really great book, but I feel. I can't really, I feel they'll think I'm judging if I recommend the mm. book. And that's a real problem, eh? Mm. You know, because the book is designed, like it's, A, I'm getting really great feedback. It seems that people who've bought it are actually going through the process. Um, You've got to tactically bring it into a conversation. Well, you know, and that's, and that's what, what I thought about. I thought, okay, there's kind of four steps. First of all, understand that it's your, it's your job to spread the love. Mm. B, come with caring. Mm. C, ask questions. So and so so you know like just say hey something like hey I love exercise and it's something I do, I really think, think how do you feel about exercise mm. and then the next step is don't provide answers because mm. what most people do is what people want to feel is understood mm. and when you're in an area where you feel vulnerable if you open up if someone just bombard you with solutions oh here's mm. what you need to do mm. you shut off. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and so instead, what you need to do is you need to show understanding. Oh, so you don't like exercise because you don't think you have enough time, mm-hmm. or we you've tried in the past, you didn't really enjoy it, or so on and so on. And then what you could do is just say, hey, you know, this guy I know who's really helped lots of people who aren't exercising, written this book. You may want to check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a much more better way to kind of get people towards it. So, you know, if you've listened to me promote this book, and you know there's people in your life who get you know get value from it, think about that process. A you know, remind yourself it's an important thing you need to do. Ask questions about how they feel about exercise. Shut up and understand. Mm. Don't provide solutions. And then say, hey, here's this book that, you know, that I could recommend because it seems that it's doing really good work already. Um, but obviously I want to get as many people moving as possible. Anyway, nice. Joss, John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Went did a bit of a mountain bike adventure at the weekend. It was pretty oh. cool. Um, it was a little apprehensive. I sort of just put it out there. It's the middle of winter. It's sort of this ride that's... Um, Probably 50% shingle, 50% road. Yep. Uh, it was over a couple of really big climbs. We got a ferry across the Littleton Harbour, which is just over the back of the hills from where we live. Yep. And then we got went over two big passes from Purau over oh, to yeah. Port Levy Saddle and oh, okay. come back on the uh, rail trail. So two really big climbs. But I was a bit nervous. Wait a second. So you came back to Christchurch? Yeah, we came back on the flat um, via Little River and on the rail trail and stuff Where's there. The rail trail? Oh, it just runs next to the road. Oh, yeah. so, oh, you went over to the other side. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And it's a bit nervous because I was looking at the forecast going, <laughs> I'm not going to do this if it's raining in the middle of winter because we go up reasonably high and it'll just be miserable. Yep. And then the other thing that had me nervous was if it's going to be freezing, freezing cold, then the roads are going to be icy. And it was freezing, freezing cold. We got onto this boat. It's like a, I don't know, five kilometre sort of boat trip across yep. the harbour. You're getting on and the, fer- the, the, the the jetty is like white at both ends. It is just completely white. I'm going, oh no, this is going to be a debacle. We're all going to fall off our bikes. But luckily, with, through my skillful planning, I was pre- somewhat confident that the sun was going to be shining on the climbs and the roads were on. Turned out it was. You oh, saw a bit skillful of, planning. Yeah, you saw a little bit of black ice, but you're able to, to avoid it. And we had a great ride. How many? Uh, it was about six or seven of us. The narcissist in me, and I think we've all got a little bit of narcissism in us. Yeah, of course we have. One, one of the fellas, I don't know if he listens or not, capitulated on one of the climbs. Yeah. And I was just thinking of uh, Teddy Pogacar and the Tour de France. And when most of us capitulate, you're like, you are out the back door yeah. and you're just struggling to turn the pedals over. Yeah. For those that watched the Tour de France, you saw Teddy Pogacar last week um, capitulate on a climb. Uh, 
yet he still only lost like two or three minutes in quite a long duration. Maybe it was four or five Ks or something like okay. that. For us average Joes, if we were bike oh. racing, like if I was racing you up a big long climb yeah. and you had 5K to go and you bonked, yeah. Mate, you're losing multiple oh, well, minutes. Well, the last time I did a long bike ride was when we did the Ironman over a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was surprised with how well I did in that bike ride because yeah, I couldn't save the main pack until the bottom of um, the Bastard. Yeah, which is a half hour climb when you're pushing it. And I blew. Mm. And that's when I blew. I blew kind of leading into it. Yeah. And I remember Heath the prick, he just kind of kept, kind of, <laughs> he just kept pushing me and, I, and I'd lost the plot. You guys would have put half an hour on me on that, just going yeah, up that climb. Yeah. I was just moving the legs. It yeah. was a grind to get home from that. So when you do see someone blowing the Tour de France, have some respect for how deep they go to not lose that much time. They, 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 like I've never done mountain biking, and that's kind of more. That's like you know, that's not like trail. It's more a little bit, you know. But is it frustrating going slow? Uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. You don't. I don't tend to look down my speedo very much. Yeah. I think I, we would. When you get to the little river, were you what, what, 50k to go? 60k to go into a headwind. Yeah, how, straight, how long did that take you? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. Probably about three hours? Yeah, it wasn't quite that, but yeah. it would have been two and a half. But, uh, and we had a stinker of a headwind <laughs> for like for like 40k's of headwind. <laughs> and a few people were suffering a bit. And it was really straight. And it was nice in parts, but it was very straight and straight into a headwind. So it was a good time. So that was my, that was my weekend adventure. Other than that, I uh, watched the depressing rugby, which was... Uh, we don't even talk about. We played he's rubbish. Got, he has to go, just like, he? he has to go, doesn't he? He's not going to go, but he should should go. But You don't reckon he's gone? No. That, that bloody rugby union's living in the past. Too many grey heads in there. Not too many innov- grey heads. Not enough innovation. Well, luckily, John, I missed the rugby. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because we went to a wedding, and we had a friend of mine called George. Uh, smallish wedding, only about 40 people. It was actually quite nice. And they uh, had a cool venue. Um, and I, a few of the boys had the rugby on, 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 a, on, a, on a just on a phone, yeah. and I could see them watching it. But I wanted to have a good time, so we rocked up the dance floor. Yeah, I don't dance enough, John. No, I love dancing. Yeah, you know, going out just with your mates and having a good dance. Yeah, so we boogied up for a couple of hours, and uh, and you could see the guys doing the rugby, and I was like, don't, I don't want to know because <laughs> my mind I was going to go home and watch the game, and then. By the time we finished, the, it was about 10, 30, 11. I was like, I'm not going home to watch the game now. No. But I'll check out the score. I was like, thank God I didn't watch oh, the rugby. You just go to bed deflated. Oh. Like, oh. God. Well, the problem is the All Blacks have an aura and the aura is being dissolved it's right gone. now, isn't it? Yeah. There is no aura. It's not a good thing. So yeah. come on, come on, Scott Robinson. Yeah. Come on, Scott Robinson. Tell you what, I would not want my kids playing contact sport like that. It's oh. just mental. Well, the only thing you'd say, and it is mental, um, although I loved it. I did mm. love contact sport. Mm. And even, the, you know, I talk about 10 years ago, I had a game and it broke me for like six weeks. Until I was broken, there mm. is something that's just about smashing someone. Mm. You know, like there is that. the physicality of it is, like as a kid, I loved it. I loved just, you Doing know. this one game alone, there would have been... I don't know, four, oh, four or five concussions. Plus, plus, plus all the non-concussions that you don't, they're just minor head knocks. It isn't a concussion. Did, did you watch the State of Origin? No. Oh my God. It was arguably one of the greatest games of sport I've seen in the last 10 years. Mm. It was just brutal. Mm. Like the first 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes you were just thinking, someone's going to die. You mm. know, like it was just brutal. And then you thought it was going to calm down because the first 10 minutes it was, but didn't calm down at all. Mm. The whole 80 minutes was just Oh, awesome sport. Um, but, uh, yeah, but the only, the only thing I'll say is Richie McCaw. Yeah. 
Richie McCaw played probably one of the most physical positions in the sport mm. for what fifteen years. Yeah, and he's gone on to bloody yeah, but he's only probably not even forty years. Maybe he's forty. But it's, he's, let's he's, go knock on his door in fifteen years' time. He, he's in pretty good. He runs pretty well. He's not a yeah, schmuck. And, yeah. Like I know he, he's he's done really well. I think he's got like second in the God Zone, and hmm. you know now admittedly he probably got a pretty good team around him, but he's no schmuck. Hmm. Um, you know, and but he's a big unit. It's N, N equals one. We got to we got to look at the whole N equals one. <laughs> yeah, and just pull out pluck out those uh, those little it's ones. The, the ninety year old who smoked all their life, eh? Yeah. Oh, why do somebody smoke? Yeah, but most of them die in their sixties. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> well, I've eaten this for all, my whole life and I'm fine, but yeah, everyone else dying of cancer <laughs> around you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. anyway, getting off triathlon topic. Righty ho, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. I'm in a train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.